The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and there have been many advances in cancer screening and testing. Get all the information you need on how you can take positive steps toward preventing cancer for yourself and for your loved ones. Plus, we'll tell you what's going on around town. But first up, Dr. Virginia Von Schaefer is a retired vascular surgeon at the Center for New Medicine in Irvine. She now provides biointegrative consultations to patients of all ages in a variety of clinical settings. She joins the staff at Cancer Center for Healing in an effort to bring a broad range of patient care, experience, and knowledge to this progressive community of caregivers. Her passion is utilizing the basic principles of cell biology, biochemistry, to solve medical problems, and her focus is to evaluate and treat the whole person, taking into account the mind, body, and spirit connection to restore biochemical balance. Wow, that's <laughs> incredible. We welcome her to the Mother's Market Podcast, Dr. Von Schaefer. How are you? I'm great, Kim. How are you today? Great. Thank you so much for being here. And why don't you fill our audience in a little bit on your mission and your work before we get to today's show topic? Well, I think when I went to medical school, I... Well, prior to going to medical school, my undergraduate degree, the final one that I got, was in biochemistry and cell biology. Mm. And uh, that was just at the time when electron microscopy was first widely used. And what that enabled researchers to do is to visualize the surfaces of cells and molecules and create even organelles, the little things inside the cell. So I mean, all these things kids in grade school talk about now, but in those days, you know, talking about a mitochondria and the way it functioned was like big news, ribosomes, you know, <laughs> and, and all kinds of these cells and organelles were, you know, my professor, Eric Holtzman at Columbia, was the, wrote the first textbook on cells and organelles. So it was a very, it was like late breaking news, okay? And they were discovered uh, aspects of the cell surface that were, you know, just beautiful, really, uh, where you know there would be a protein that would be hiding an active site, and and it would denature and unfold like a book opening at a certain temperature, and so you know then the active site would be revealed, and molecules could hop on. And so there's all this huge dynamic aspect of you know the way uh, messengers in the body work, whether they're hormones or other uh, neurochemicals. So I thought, wow this is great. <laughs> We're going to use all this stuff to solve medical problems. But that wasn't really so. <laughs> At that time, uh, there was a, and probably still is, a huge fascination with producing a lot of drugs. So when I was in medical school, we started out with, um, you know, like penicillin and all that, and one first generation cephalosporin. By the time I graduated four years later, we were into our seventh generation of cephalosporins. And there were a lot of drug trials in Colombia. That was a, kind of a big thing. They were always trying to figure out what to do next with a new drug. So it, there was a lot of emphasis on pharmacology and not really utilizing these mechanisms of biochemical action or the biologic function on a microscopic level that could potentially be applied to medical problem solving. So I went 
I, I did an internship in medicine, then I went on to study surgery and become a general and vascular surgeon. And I mean, I loved anatomy, I thought it was very beautiful. And I enjoyed the practice of surgery at that time because we conducted all of our intensive care by ourselves as surgeons. So I learned a lot about um, metabolism and endocrinology and trauma and all those kinds of things uh, that I still use today. But it just wasn't what I really wanted to do. I had a spinal cord injury and uh, just at the completion of all of my surgical studies, I had 23 years of postgraduate education, and I got hit in the back of my neck by a 300-pound person, and I had a C4, C5 total cord contusion, and my arms and legs were numb for two and a half years, and I had to stop operating immediately. So my surgical career <laughs> in those moments disappeared. And in the process of helping myself get better, because I had a lot of issues and I was at the age where I was kind of thrown into early menopause and you know all those things that <laughs> couldn't go wrong <laughs> went wrong all at once. Mm. And so I had to do a lot of metabolic problem solving for myself to get myself back to some you know health and, and ability to function. And because this career that I had loved so much and studied for and trained for was basically taken from me, I had to look and figure out what I, else I could do. So I met a physician who uh, worked in kind of in an integrative sort of way on his own and learned about bioidentical hormone therapy and all these other things. And then I just started back off running with uh, picking up what I wanted to do all along in the beginning, but just didn't have the forum to do, I guess, uh, because of uh, the work I was doing. Well, you've really, now you're addressing your passions and it's come from a place where, yeah, you had, you felt it firsthand. Mm -hmm. So um, I love the way you've bounced back. Um, today, we're talking about the latest integrative new cancer treatments and testing, doctor. And I really wanted to see how you came to treat, how do you come to treat cancer patients from well, your background? And I'm, I'm so happy you asked me that because I, <laughs> I love treating cancer patients because it's, the number one place you can make these two tracks of information, the biochemistry and the cell biology and the rest of the conventional world, you can bring them together and, and integrate them and use all of these tools to help people get better. And when you do that, you get profound, really sometimes miraculous results. It's a really beautiful thing. So for me, it's kind of a full circle in my life that I'm able to do this. I treated, I, I did treat, but I took care of my sister uh, for four years uh, when she had uh, leukemia and then transformed into an aggressive lymphoma. And I saw firsthand how conventional treatment really wasn't very successful. You can take the chemotherapy, it'll kill rapidly dividing cells, it'll make the tumor balls go away, but they're gonna come back. And my sister loved her Cheerios, which actually has the highest concentration of Roundup. That Cheerios? <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. That's breaking news. Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't know that. Put that back on the shelf. <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, and sugar. She liked sugar mm -hmm. a lot, too, which is really bad for uh, treating cancer patients. So, you know, I, when I finished uh, my little project with my sister when she finally passed away, 
Um, it took me about a year to get off the couch, and then I decided, okay, I have no money and I have to work. Yeah. And so I thought, I think this is what I want to do. And I did do research in, in cancer uh, when I was a surgical resident. I worked for a gal who was trained at uh, City of Hope, and we did an experiment with rats to see if infusion <laughs> of 5-FU directly into the liver would uh, cure their liver cancer, but it, it didn't. Mm. <laughs> it still doesn't. <laughs> so when you have a patient that comes in or just and you're meeting them, how do you evaluate your cancer patients specifically? Well, the number one thing is people are very complex and they're terrified. Mm-hmm. I think the number one thing we try to do is Yes, understand everything that they've done before and, and where they're at. Um, and then also dispel fear. There is a very specific biochemistry of thought that you must understand and respect in all of us. Okay. My teacher said never use this word in public, but... <laughs> I love to anyway. It's called eicosanoids. So they're essential fatty acids that are present in our bodies for only one nine thousandth of a second. Mm. It's not like people do a lot of research on them. There's a little bit more now than before. But these eicosanoids are released when we have certain thoughts, negativity. Mm. There are two tracks um, that can be triggered and this is kind of the yin and yang of body biochemistry. There's either the cellular warfare and defense pyramid and cascade of reactions that ends in a very potent vasoconstrictor. Uh, and, you know, when people are angry and afraid, you can see their skin gets whiter. I don't know. The, you can see things happen in their circulation. This is, that's what it is in action. And then the other pathway is uh, really related to peacetime regrowth and repair. So... God made us to have both of these pathways, but they are mutually exclusive. Mm. So you can't be at war and at peace at the same same time. time. So when we have patients who are terrified with their illness and the potential of what can happen, obviously they're worried about they're gonna die and all that, we have to somehow get them out of that fear mentality. Which is that also fight, flight, or crisis exactly, mode? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, the, the, a lot of people talk about sympathetic, parasympathetic, but I, I, I like people to think about these things because these entities, because this is for something that's so fleeting, mm-hmm. it can control your physiology, not for just minutes and hours, but days and weeks. So you have to really think about how you think about things. Even though it's fleeting and it comes in, but it's been the trigger it's is entered. the trigger is fleeting, but the side effect can uh-huh. be prolonged. Okay. Uh, okay, got it. That's and and so when we are dealing with cancer, obviously we're dealing with multiple physiologic issues, mm-hmm. and we're dealing with a rapid cycling of cells that don't belong, mm-hmm. and are infuriatingly immortal. Oh. Instead of dying in 120 days, they can live up to 20 years. Wow. It's a project. Well, and so this <laughs> sets you apart. My next question was about conventional oncologists, but because you well, really go and... I mean, conventional oncologists are limited these days. It's an unfortunate situation because 
I mean, and I, I had this experience with my sister. You know, we'd go in the oncologist's office for the infusion. There's candy bowls everywhere. Jeez. <laughs> you know, You're nobody's talking about diet modification. Mm-hmm. It's just come get the poison and go. And it kind of feeds into the mentality that we have in our society, in many societies, that there's a magic pill for you. Yeah. And then whatever problem you have, okay, if it isn't out now, we're going to develop it for it soon. So just wait, and we'll give it to you then. Okay. Right. So it, it kind of, they, they don't encourage people to take responsibility for how they treat their bodies and what they do, what they eat, what they think, or anything, really. And just take the drug and unfortunately all cytotoxic agents conventional chemotherapeutic agents um, kill cells in a in a toxic manner and it creates a huge mess for the immune system to clean up that's the cleanup crew so you get cancer because your immune system is impaired then you take a bunch of drugs that makes a bunch of cells die and then you have even more mess and your your immune system is even more impaired so you get into this negative catch-22 without ever addressing the underlying root cause or, and why your immune system is impaired and, and what can you do about it to help it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I use chemotherapy in tiny doses and it's very effective, but I, I think it's only effective because we use it with immune-boosting treatments so that we help the immune system get better. If, if you don't do that, you're, you're, you're going to lose. And, you know, the, the mainstay of treatment in conventional oncology is, is full-dose chemotherapy and administered in a somewhat kind of cookbook manner. It's all based on cell type, stage, and statistical response to a combination of drugs. Mm. You know, and then there's surgery, but many people are not offered surgery because they if they have an, a quote-unquote advanced stage at the time of their diagnosis that may it not be qualify. offered to them. Yeah. And radiation therapy is creating a big burn. Mm. So you're saying that not in the conventional way, without the surgery, chemo, and radiation, you get to the underlying root of the problem. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I use everything. I mean, sometimes I mean, colon cancer, say, for example. I, I've seen several people die because they were denied um, surgical resection. And why were they denied a resection? Because they had some tumor in their liver. Mm. And so that makes them stage four. And, you know, conventional people say, oh, no, I can't. I, you know, surgeons were always taught to cut to cure. So if you can't cure them, then don't cut them. Well, but if you, you can palliate a person, and I like to try and make these patients who are inoperable, operable candidates. And I have a very nice young woman who I did help to do that with colon cancer. And I found somebody to operate upon her, and she may even have a small liver resection at this point. But, you know, part of the problem is just opening the minds of physicians to the fact that we have a lot of people to care for, and with this being a pandemic and estimated 50% of our population, you just can't tell these people to just go home and die. There's too many of them. Yeah. And, you know, young person wants to live, so give them a chance to live. Yeah, you flip the script basically yeah. is what you're mm-hmm. doing, which is amazing. So, can you talk about the new treatments that you offered that go beyond the three cancer radiation and well, surgery? Well, the cool thing is that I like to change the perspective of the way I focus on things. I use all these other techniques, mm-hmm. but 
there's the work of Otto Warburg, the yeah. biochemist, uh, really provided us with a profound observation. All cancer cells make energy anaerobically. That means they don't use those little mitochondria to get squeeze 32 extra units of energy out of one molecule of glucose. It's just a net two units of energy. So two versus 32. It's a very inefficient system, and they need a ton of sugar in order to function. So one of the fun things is to realize that this is a huge vulnerability. Cancer seems so fearsome, and it's going to take over. However, it can only work if you give it sugar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay? So we like to use, um, of course, you can use diet modification and things like that to limit that in the, in the body. Uh, but there are some chemists made a molecule uh, to do, take advantage of this Nobel Prize winning observation. And they um, hooked a sugar molecule to a benzaldehyde ring from a fig plant. Yeah. And basically, it's just a big molecule that normally wouldn't go into any kind of cell at all. But because it's got sugar attached to it, cancer cells take it in right away. Okay. And once it's inside the cell, the sugar gets clipped off and the benzaldehyde ring is poisonous to the energy making cycle. So the first thing it can do is either make the cell pop and die because it's a big molecule, or it can starve it. And then if it gets starved, it can't make nagalase and it can't coat itself and it can't cloak itself from the immune system and all kinds of bad things that happen because if it's you know activity are all, all of a sudden stopped and potentially reversible. The other thing is that <clears throat> some Japanese researchers observed that there's a hub protein inside cancer cells that they designated 14-3-3. And 14-3-3 brokers about 1520 of these uh, what I call transduction pathways or s rapid cell cycling or pathways to immortality that are identified by a lot of these genetic markers, but nobody ever talks about how they get to work. <laughs> and so benzaldehyde ring poisons that, that broker. Wow. So in cancer, the name of the game is to <laughs> stop the rapid division, however you can do that, change the biochemical environment, starve them, and even if you don't kill them immediately, cut off their pathways to immortality. That's a whole new ball of wax right there. There's a whole other plane of interaction and thinking and activity that we can do to help people uh, not only to get the deal with the current condition of the cancer, but to get themselves better and be recurrence-free. This is very fascinating. I feel like we're in breaking news mode with you right now. <laughs> so um, we uh, have to take a quick break, but we will be right back in just a moment with Dr. Von Schaefer. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. 
They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Podcast, and we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market, or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for podcast and listen to past shows, plus download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with Dr. Von Schaefer, and we've been talking about the latest in cancer testing methods, and this is and treatments and really interesting uh just a moment ago we were talking about um cancer cells that feed off of sugar is there a new chemo to lower insulin yes there there is a technique to administer uh, chemotherapy um in a very effective manner with a tiny dose so in other words Normal chemotherapy is administered according to um, milligrams of drug, according to kilograms of body weight or body surface area. And these are pretty much standardized dosing regimens. Now, we found that if you take advantage of the fact that cancer cells need glucose for energy, and that's the only thing they can use, if you lower the person's blood sugar level, from you know 80s 90s down to 40s in a very gentle manner it essentially opens the gates and cancer cells will be more likely to take in the drug that you're administering at the time hmm. <clears throat> now when people use traditional dosing they have to use a ton of drug because they don't have any tricks to get the cancer cells to take it in when we use insulin potentiated low-dose chemotherapy, we can lower the blood sugar with insulin, introduce a substance that will drive it into the cells, and use one-tenth of the amount of drug that's needed and get a fantastic result. Wow. So it's a minimal toxicity, maximal result. Okay. Okay? The other thing that is goes along with the theory of that is that Traditional oncology uses a lot of medicine and they look at killing a lot of cells at once. Now, usually dosing can be once a week, but lots of times it's once every three weeks. So you get a big wallop every three weeks. Now, <clears throat> too much killing creates too much cleanup for the immune system. So the less killing at a t one time the easier it is on your immune system. Mm -hmm. The other aspect of the science of it is that there are subpopulations of cancer cells. They're not all created equal. So some are more mutant and energy needy, and some are less mutant and don't need so much energy to replicate. Mm. So when you use a lot of drug, at once, you're usually killing the nice guys and leaving the mutant guys to replicate without competition for energy resources. 
And that's, in my personal opinion, the reason that people get rapid recurrences when they do full-dose chemotherapy. So what do you offer alongside of that? Well, I, I like to use this uh, substance called salicinium because it saturates tissues and it kills cells in a, in a way that's um, less toxic. And it also helps to change the biochemical environment. We have to remember, people get cancer for a reason. Okay, your immune system is designed to identify and kill a cell that's not right. That's what your macrophages are supposed to do. So if they don't do that, that means that your immune system is impaired and that whole, that whole system is not working properly. So if you can boost and help repair this injured system in your body at the same time of doing some small amount of controlled killing, you can get a great result. And that's precisely what we do. So we use mistletoe. Uh, which is a berry, you know, that berry that you kiss under. <laughs> and it's, it's a really cool thing. It's like a God-given medicinal plant because it, uh, it doesn't have any roots of its own, so it grows on other trees hmm. and takes the lectins and polysaccharides out of that plant, concentrates them in the berry, and then people uh, harvest these berries at a certain phase of the moon. It's very medieval. Yeah. And then um, distill that, and then we use that for treatment. Wow. And it can sometimes help to kill cancer cells, but I use it most of the time because it, it does two powerful things. It enhances the number and function of all your immune system cells, your natural killer cells. You can kind of imagine what they're doing. The B cells, the T cells, the, help, the helper cells, all of those cells will be enhanced in their number and function. But the key thing is it's DNA protective to a normal cell in the presence of a cancer cell. Now, we know uh, because of testing that we do to identify that when patients have a tumor, they're shedding cancer cells. And those shed cells have the capability to kind of move around in the body. So they can move out of the tissues and jump into the highway of the bloodstream. They can float around. They can go somewhere else and hop off and try and make a new tumor somewhere else. And that's how people get metastatic disease. So it's very important to... Um, protect yourself against the activity of these circulating tumor cells and stem cells. And they're relatively immortal. They live a long time, so it's important to characterize them, and we do have tests to do that, um, and then to figure out what kills them and what doesn't kill them. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, you have to protect your body from further recruitment and attack. So can you talk a little bit, I don't know if this goes alongside with it, but the low-level laser therapy? Well, low-level laser therapy is um, coming into its own. Mm -hmm. um, it's been primarily used to treat infections and sometimes neurologic problems. It's a, the, Dr. Weber in Germany is the one who has uh, kind of uh, made this whole system of treatment um, more commonly known and kind of famous, but it utilizes uh, different wavelengths of, of low-level laser light. So laser light is unique in that it's monochromatic and focused. So a certain wavelength, once it's generated, will have a certain energy. It's not like white light that's very diffuse and all these 
it's scattered. So what they do is 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 can we can generate laser light with these electrodes or diodes, and um, it can help to increase the energy in the tissues and help rejuvenate mitochondria. And mitochondria are those little organelles that make that, you know, 32 times as much energy as a anaerobic metabolizing cancer cell. Uh, but they kind of die and get very dysfunctional. They're very delicate, too much calcium, the membranes get leaky, and then they don't work. So the big thing about laser therapy is to help um, tissue rejuvenation, mitochondrial regeneration, making a biochemical environment uh, that's more conducive. So basically, it's just like you, you have a, a, a negative environment, and so you want to change that. And, and there are multiple aspects of changing it, and the low-level laser therapy is, is one of them. If you have tiny lesions, you can use it to really make them disappear, but these larger tumors, you're going to need more than just that. Thank you for mm -hmm. describing that. Let's talk a little bit about immune boosting therapy and the mm -hmm. latest developments. What, first of all, what is immune boosting therapy? Well, what do you do? immune boosting therapy can have <laughs> many take on many forms. Um, I, I just described to you the mistletoe, which I think mm -hmm. is very important. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to. Uh, sometimes we have to boost the immune system by getting rid of sur surreptitious infections. I see many people who come to me, and in the screening testing, they have uh, viruses, the Epstein-Barr virus in particular. Well, these people will pretty much always report that they have a chronic low white blood cell count. And so surreptitious infections can suppress your bone marrow. So we can support that with um, uh, herbal combinations. Uh, there's uh, thymus extracts from you know, cows and beef and all that sort of thing. There's a big business in New Zealand growing <laughs> growing all these healthy animals in nice air. I guess. Yeah. And so there are things like that that we can give patients uh, to help them improve their bone marrow. And, of course, one of the biggest immune-boosting treatments is eating good food. Yeah. Clean, healthy. I mean, the way God made us, we're supposed to, even the act of chewing stimulates the pituitary gland. So mm. eating and chewing and you know, digesting and absorbing nutrients causes a multitude of hormonal responses um, that are required for health. So many times we see people who are ill and they're just, you know, one of the first things I get them to do is to eat and eat properly. You know. Talk a little bit about the circulating tumor cell and stem cells. Well, it's a fascinating subject because even in traditional oncology textbooks, they talk about circulating tumor cells and stem cells um, as, and, and as to say that when you're cured, quote unquote, you will have none in your bloodstream. Well, yes and no. First of all, they say that, but then they don't characterize them and they don't treat them. So that's kind of a, <laughs> kind of a little problem there. But basically, Circulating tumor cells and stem cells have different characteristics than primary tumor. So we th see this particularly in the case of uh, breast cancer mm. and uh, sometimes in terms of in lung cancer uh, where there are specific receptors associated with that tumor cell type. 
So say, for example, in breast cancer, where there's uh, the estrogen receptor positivity, the progesterone receptor positivity, and then this uh, HER2 new, which is a human epidermal growth factor uh, positivity. Well, lots of people who have HER2 new positive breast cancer have circulating tumor cells and stem cells that don't have that marker. Hmm. And of course, they're the ones that can cause the metastatic problem. So a big part of our treatment that I think sets us apart from others is that we are very adamant about characterizing those cells, counting them because it represents the potential for metastases, and then identifying what is going to work on your particular cells and what does not. And many times, <clears throat> I've treated lots of patients, so you know you see patterns, of course, uh, but there's always the possibility that something that worked on everybody else isn't going to work on your patient. It's the individual part, yeah. Yeah, and so we'd like to tailor our treatment to the individual whenever possible to their advantage uh, because uh, you never know when, you know, they, I mean, people who have breast cancer or ovarian cancer, they get carboplatin and taxol. Mm. Carbo and taxol, carbo and taxol, that's all they know. <laughs> okay, well, maybe carboplatin isn't the best alkylating agent that's going to kill your cancer cells. Maybe it's cisplatin, maybe it's uh, oxaliplatin, maybe it's mitomycin. Who knows? Maybe it, a drug that normally works on a bowel tumor works great on your ovarian tumor. I've seen this many times. So if you don't look, you're not going to find the answer. Yeah, and everything is, it's, everybody's individual. It, it has to be individualized. Um, so is there any hope for life without recurrences? Well, I think absolutely. I think that some cancers are more tenacious than others. Mm -hmm. uh, ovarian cancer is particularly difficult. Um, but my impression is that if you, and my experience, is that if you treat the body biochemistry and improve that, if you enhance the function of the immune system, increase the body frequency, and rehabilitate the tissues, the mitochondria population, all that, um, and specifically treat circulating tumor cells and stem cells long-term, in addition to identifying and treating any surreptitious infection that may be present in that person's body, you're gonna have a re really great result. I think that the number one cause of recurrence that I see is untreated parasite and viral infections. So again, going starting with the root level yeah, and you have to, you have to get, it's kind of like it's kind of like a reversible coat. <laughs> yeah, one side you can use to treat, turn it inside out. You could use the same coat for preventing. Yeah, the preventative, which mm -hmm. is what you're all about. Yeah. Well, this has been fascinating information. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and your great advice. We really appreciate your knowledge and we look forward to having you on again. In the meantime, you can get more information on Dr. Von Schaefer on the website, cancercenterforhealing.com. And we look forward to our next visit. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Kim. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.